Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus, our high priest, lives to make intercession for you and me. Day and night, every time you jack up, every time Satan is accusing you and hurling accusations, Jesus Christ is there living your defense attorney living to make intercession for you just to that no you're clean no he's mine no he's not guilty no he's forgiven living to make intercession living to keep you in a right relationship with the father that's what Jesus is doing on your behalf and on my behalf Jesus there's no other name more meaningful or being more redemptive as you listen to today's message with Pastor Bill take a moment and be reminded of the grace of God Think on all the good and bad in your life. Then think on all the ways God has redeemed you. The Bible says that Jesus lives to intercede for you and me. This means that even when you do mess up and sin, you're forgiven in Christ. Just knowing that truth should motivate you to live differently. Don't waste the gift of Jesus. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 14 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. In the story here, we're looking at someone that's got the blessing of being cleansed from it. And um, we don't know how they would have caught it, how they contracted it, but they got it. It's brought separation. They're not with their families. They have to be with other lepers. They got to be with people just like them. They know that there's a death sentence on their life. They know they're going to die a yucky, nasty, ugh kind of death. And that's how they're living So imagine the joy, the elation of finding out I've been clean. I got a clean bill. I'm cleansing my leprosy. I get to go home to my wife. I get to go see my kids. I get to go back into worship. I get to go back and be around regular people. I'm not going to rot to death and die. Imagine the joy and the elation being the guy or the girl that's getting to go back. And so what does the Bible tell us about one sinner that repents? Said all of heaven rejoices that it should be a celebratory thing. And so now look at verse eight with me. It says he was to be cleansed, shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair and wash himself in water that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp and shall stay outside the tent seven days. But on the seventh day, he shall shave all his hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows. All his hair he shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes and wash his body in water and he shall be clean. And so what the guy had to do once he was pronounced clean, he had to go through a major shaving. Um, now, in the Middle East, in this culture, no nope, men didn't shave, by the way. Um, I don't even know if the women shaved back here, but I know for sure that the men didn't. And so the normal man here had big hair and he had a beard and you didn't do stuff like men do today. They weren't shaving their arms off and such. I mean, men had hair. And so for this guy to come out and have to shave it all off, all your head, all your arms, all everything off, your eyebrows to shave it off, um, anybody would see him would know that, whoa, but you've been through something. You know, like, you know, it would be evident when you saw him that something major had transpired. This is the cool thing, though. Why did God do that? Because now... Once you shave everything off, because God, all you've been washed, you've been clean, the leprosy is gone, you shaved everything off. What's going to happen after a few days, after you shave everything off? It's going to start growing, be new growth. And it'll be some new naps on his head, some new hair, everything. Everything going to come out now is going to be brand new, and it's not going to have leprosy in it. It's going to be brand new, it's going to be clean, it's going to be fresh. Write down 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it's one of the beautiful verses about the new life. 
And when we come into relationship with Jesus and we're born again, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Everything's new. And I just want to point this out. When someone gets saved, doesn't matter what they were prior. They could have been a murderer, dope addict, uh, a liar, a cheater, uh, you name it. They could have been it. And when they come to this juncture right here where they say, I, mean, I met Jesus, I'm, my sins are forgiven, I'm born again. Now, in the human realm, everybody may remember this guy right here, but from God's perspective, it's a brand new person, new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That guy's got a brand new bill. He's got a clean slate. He's right with God for the first time in his existence. And God receives him as such. God's not looking at his past. It's washed away. Old is gone. Everything's become new. I think as believers, we have to practice. We have to give that to people. You know, somebody come to Christ and it's like, well, last week you were smoking dope. I don't even know yet. I'm going I'm to I'm wait a while. You know, I'm going you know, to see if you really, you know, saved or whatever. And I understand, you know, I mean, before you loan them some money or something, you might have to do that. But, you know. I think when people get saved and someone have an, uh, an encounter with the living God, I need to celebrate that. All right. Bible says that you're a new creation. The old things to pass away. I give you a clean slate. Let's walk in newness. This is the cool thing we're going to see in the chapter. Right. The priest does it many, many times where he says, all right, I'm going to have I'm going to examine you for a period of time. Seven days. Come back. I'm going to check you out again. I'm not sure. Seven more days. Go back. And you would see that the priest would take his time examining the person because pronouncing them clean or unclean was it was a big deal if you dirty and i pronounce you clean on accident i'm gonna contaminate the people of god I can't be guilty of that if you are clean i pronounce you unclean you're gonna be unclean after you go be with them anyway um and it's kind of a big deal a weighty thing that was put on the priest so he was very careful and he took his time and it wasn't a rush and i would just point that out some christians are very quick very much in a rush to judge and to tell people what they are you know we got to be careful about that you know that it's not a joy to that it wouldn't be some joy to us to pronounce uncleanness on someone or to spy out some imperfection some uncleanness that you know the priest gave examination and consideration and he gave time and sometimes that's what's needed you know there are people that maybe come out of something and they're saying oh, i made a commitment you did all right praise the lord let's watch it for a while let's watch you walk this out let's examine you for a while we're celebrating while we just examine let's walk it out let's see how you do oh you're doing good oh there's good fruit new things are happening you got new desires you're moving in a new direction and we'll just continue to celebrate your newness but we also may say we celebrate we're going to examine and you might examine and say you stole my thing again you're still doing the old stuff. I'm missing money again. You know, you know, so, you know, we examine and consider it. But I do think it's important for us as believers to be. I need to be glad for someone else's forgiveness. I need to be blessed for someone else's salvation. I need to be hoping on that end that I hope it is true. I hope you did mean it. I hope you do walk with the Lord from now on. And so, again, the priest took his time. This guy to shave everything off. He was going to look like a new creation. Look at verse 10. It says, and on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb and of the first year without blemish, three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering and one log of oil. So first of all, anybody know what's significant about the eighth day? Seven days it took God to create everything. I know six days to create everything. Seven days he rested. What does that eighth day represent? 
new beginnings, brand new. It's a whole new revolution, a whole new start. So uh, their churches with that name, new beginnings. That's the eighth day. Day represents a new beginning. And so interesting that on the eighth day, this person is getting a new beginning. On the eighth day, he's getting his new beginning sacrifice because now you get to participate in sacrificial process again. You've been pronounced clean. You get to come back into the system. You get to go and offer sacrifice to the Lord. It was a privilege to get to offer to the Lord. He didn't have this privilege a week ago. He didn't have privilege to come before the Lord and worship like this a week or two ago, but right now he's pronounced clean. He's got opportunity to come and give worship. And God said, what you need to do, first thing you need to do is give glory to God. Come and I'm going to tell you what to offer. I'm going to tell you what to bring. We're going to see this, that God's very specific about what to bring. And God makes provision in the law for broke folk. Um, so everybody couldn't afford two lambs and a you lamb. And so God said, okay, that's fine. I, that's, you're going to bring something though. Everybody was going to come and bring something. They were going to offer something in worship. And so he made a provision for those that didn't have very much. As we keep reading, we'll see it. Look at verse 11. We're going to read down for a chunk here. It says, then the priest who made him clean, um, who makes him clean, shall present the man who is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. So three things. One, it says the priest who makes him clean. Um, he's the one pronouncing it. He's the one doing it. Well, we have a high priest who makes us clean. His name is Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus, our high priest, lives to make intercession for you and me day and night. Every time you jack up, every time Satan is accusing you and hurling accusations, Jesus Christ is there living, your defense attorney living to make intercession for you. Just to, that, no, you're clean. No, he's mine. No, he's not guilty. No, he's forgiven. Living to make intercession, living to keep you in a right relationship with the Father. That's what Jesus is doing on your behalf and on my behalf. And so the offering is brought. The first thing is uh, the trespass offering. Uh, what's a trespass offering? This is what a trespass is, first of all. So there are different types of sins. There's a sin of omission, a sin of commission, sin of not doing what I'm supposed to do, sin of doing what I'm not supposed to do. Um, there are sins where I didn't, I kind of didn't know that I was doing the wrong thing, but I did the wrong thing. Well, a trespass is when you very clearly understood you weren't supposed to do something. The line was drawn very clearly. It said, don't go past this line. And you were like, watch this. And you just went over the line. That's a trespass. Everybody here has done it. Everybody here has sinned on purpose. That's a trespass. Think about the last time that you knew that you shouldn't do what you were getting ready to do and you, went, you got ready and you did it anyway. That's trespass. You sinned on purpose. You can't be like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, Lord. You just on purpose. God, I just bold-faced, stepped over the line, and I did that. That's trespass. And so here he's bringing a trespass offering. Um, New Testament folks, what do you do about your trespasses? The Bible says in James. Um, it says to confess your trespass, James 5, 17, 16 or 17, it says confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. I think the reason that it says we obviously confess our sins to God to be forgiven, 1 John 1, 9. But I think the reason James says to confess your trespasses to one another, this is why I believe that. One, when you're a Christian and you're stepping over the line on purpose, uh, many times it's because you're in bondage. It's something that I know I shouldn't do it. I don't want to do it, but I, I keep doing it. You're in bondage. Probably when many times when people are in bondage, it's because it's sin that they're keeping a secret. They're keeping it in the dark. That's what you do. You take that dark thing and you bring it into the light. You confess it to me for forgiveness, but you can confess it to a brother or sister. 
You're going to bring that dark thing into light. You're going to make yourself accountable. Confess it to one another and then have them pray for you. And it says the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. So that's what the New Testament says. We do with a trespass here. You make a trespass offering. And so the trespass offering has been brought. Verse 13. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the burnt offering in the holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest, so is the trespass offering. It is most holy. Um, I didn't mention the wave offering um, after the trespass. And they take it and they wave it before the Lord. The priests get to eat some of that. Um, one of the guys I read on this said it was interesting. The wave offering is from, you know, I wondered, like, how do they wave? The wave offering was like from heart to heart. The idea of it was just an intimacy, a heart to heart with the Lord, with the wave offering. I thought that was interesting. I had never really, uh, I had never heard before there were, the different offerings were presented in different ways. So thought that was interesting. But it says, now he kills the lamb in the place where he killed the sin offering and the burnt offering in the holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest, so is the trespass offering. It is most holy. Verse 14, the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who was to be cleansed on the thumb of the right hand and on the big toe of the right foot. You might want to mark that in your Bibles. Interesting because this little anointing procedure here, who else had to go through that process? Who else, when they were being anointed, had these three areas, they were anointed in these three areas. You might remember? The priest. So it's interesting that the person being cleansed of their leprosy is, in some respects, receiving the same instruction given to the priest. It says, you're going to take some of this blood and you're going to put some of it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed on the thumb of the right hand and on the big toe of the right foot. And this is what I would suggest. Um, you have someone who is coming into a different life. Um, previously, I was a leper. I hung out with other people that were dying. I went with other people that were dying. Um, his whole life was different, and now he's coming to this new place. And I would just challenge you to consider this, that you get someone that haven't been walking with the Lord, well, I guarantee you that they've been walking with people that are dying. They've been going to places where death happens. They've probably been listening to death and what they've been doing with their hands are probably things that are going to bring forth death. And so as you come into newness, God says, I want all that back. I want you to hear different. I want you to do different. I want you to go different places. So these guys who have previously been lepers, again, they couldn't go where they're going to go now. They could only go where dead people go. And it would be very, you know, be well advised that you don't find yourself back down where the lepers are trying to say what's up to your old homies. It's over. Consider this. Consider the guy that gets cleansed of his leprosy, spent 10 years as a leper. I got 10, I, I was, we were friends for 10 years with that colony of lepers right there, but now I'm clean. Does he get to go back and kick it? No. Not if he want to stay clean, but I've known him for 10 years. Well, if you want to stay clean, what does he have to do? I love y'all at a distance. These people have a hard time with that. Christians. Give their life to the Lord, get going good with the Lord, and you got some friends from way back that still belong to the devil. And every time you hang out with them, you fall in. Every time you go be with them, death happens. And you can't break away. Break away. If you're going to enjoy life in Christ, you got to let that go. New life. And so again, the three areas, the tip of the right ear. I just challenge any of us that are believers and are walking in newness of life that we be cautious what we hear. It does matter what we take in, right? Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
Just hearing the word of God causes me to grow in my faith. It's supernatural. And so if you're hearing a bunch of other junk constantly, if you listen to bad music, if you, you know, listen to things, if you maybe just open the gossip. Ooh, call me, call me. I heard some junk went down. Got to tell me some stuff. You know, they, some people, they just want to get the goody, goody, good dirt. You know, be careful what's happening with these things because you could be using your ears and taking in things that actually make you better with Jesus. Build you up in your faith, encourage you in your walk with the Lord, or you could take in some stuff that, that had you spent sideways. And so we should be careful. It's not legalism. It's just, God, I want to be holy. I want you to be pleased with my life. And so that we be careful. What do we hear? Blood on the tip of the right ear. And then it says, on the thumb of the right hand. Obviously, your hands are, you know, speak of what you do. You know, you do things with your hands. Everybody here got hands. Um, you're blessed to have two of them. You do things with your hands all day. What do you do with your hands all day? Is that is it anointed? Is it blessed of God? Is God glorified that we can do with your hands? Well, I guarantee you when these people were lepers, they weren't doing wholesome, you know, they, they, death is on their hands. I don't know what they were doing. But God says, hey, be careful what you do. It does matter if you're a Christian, what you do, what you do with your hands. Uh, where are they at? What are you doing with them? Is it glorify God? Is it honor Jesus? Is it something you could apply the blood of Christ to? Is it, I mean, is it, is it a good thing? What do you do with your hands? Everybody can consider that. Some people with their hands, they love people. Some of you mothers feeding kids with your hands and comforting boo-boos and rubbing and stroking hurt feelings. And so hands are awesome, but you can do some real foul things with hands, too. And I won't go there, but you know. And so what are you doing with your hands? Is that set apart for the Lord? And obviously on the the big toe of the right foot, um, again, when these guys were lepers, they had no choice. They had to go where lepers went and be where lepers were. They, they were always going where death was happening. As a believer now, as someone that knows the Lord, where are you going? Where are your feet taking you? Where do you travel from day to day? And would you take Jesus to those places? Would you take him into those places? He's everywhere anyway. So it don't matter if you would or wouldn't take him. But I'm just asking you to think about it. Would you take him there? Do you go anywhere that you wouldn't take Jesus? Is there anywhere that you find that I go there? Oh, I, could you stay outside, Lord? <laughs> I just want to stay outside. I'll be right back. You know, is there anywhere you wouldn't take the Lord? Shouldn't be there. Um, be careful where you go. It matters. Starting in verse 15 now. It says, and the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. So it says in verse 16, it says the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot, on the blood of the trespass offering. And so you got the blood and the oil, the blood speaking of obviously Christ and how he cleanses, the blood of Jesus that cleanses and forgives you, the oil symbolic of the Holy Spirit that empowers you to do different. And so this guy's been cleansed, cleansed what you hear and cleansed what you do and cleansed where you were going. You've been cleansed completely, but now he's putting oil in all the same spots because you're going to need God's anointing. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life to do different. It won't be easy. Anybody here that's ever tried walking with God in the dryness of your own strength, you failed. Um, we've all probably tried it to some degree. Anybody, I know when I was early, when I first got saved, I was so big about making commitments to God. God, that's it. That's the last time I'm going to do that right there. I'm, I'm, that's it. I would go to church and make my commitments, and I was making strong commitments. I mean, they were strong. I was like, that's it. Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. And then about 24 hours later, uh, sometimes, or, or less or more or whatever, but them commitments, I made them. 
but I'd be failing. And you know what that feels like? Anybody know what that feels like? It's just me? It's just anybody? I mean, I made those commitments, and I, I meant it. I meant it. I meant it with all my heart. And then when you fail, I was the worst feeling in the world. I'm like, am I even saved? Maybe I need to start all over again and get saved for real, because maybe I'm not really saved. And that's like I couldn't really do it, so I'm going to start all the way over. And then I finally got to me a good Bible teaching church, and I learned about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that changed my life. It really did change my life because I struggle with a lot of things where I'm saying I want to do the right thing, but I'm weak. And I would try it in my own strength and try it in my own might. And sometimes I could muster up the strength to do good. And sometimes I couldn't. Um, but I found that the, what the Holy Spirit does is you yield to the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit, you know, Acts 1-8 coming upon your life to empower you to live the life God has called you to live. It's not the Holy Spirit coming upon you so you can, you know, shout off in tongues and, you know, I, I mean, I believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the gift of tongues and prophecy and all those different things. Don't get me wrong. But I know some people that can speak in tongues, but they can't live right. You ain't baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like all that. I don't care about none of that. If you can't walk straight, you can't live. You're not living right. So the, what the Holy Spirit does, he empowers me to live the life I can never live in my own strength. And so then when you live the life that you can never live in your own strength, you live it a little humbler. You're pretty humble with it. Your victory, you're humble in victory. Wow, you've really changed. Glory be to God. You don't do that no more. You, oh, man, God, with God's help, by God's grace. You know, you, you realize that you, you don't want to take credit. I'm scared to ever testify of, by God's grace, I have never, I have not drank alcohol since 1995. And I'm cautious to ever say that as though I did it myself, because I didn't. God absolutely did for me what I could not do for myself, strengthened me in an area where I was very weak. I'm thankful for the victory, though. I love his victory and I, I value what God has done for me. But I never want to ever say it to somebody struggling with it like, well, you know, back in 95, man, I just said no more. That ain't how it went down. Back in 95, I was like, God help. And God helped. And so I was like, you know what? The one that helped me can help you, man. And, uh, you know, you walk a lot humbly. You just walk in lowness. And you're thankful and you're humble. And so maybe you're here and you say, you know what? That's what I need. I need the, I need the Holy Spirit upon my life because I love God. But I just don't seem to be able to do what on my heart to do. Well, good news for you that just like salvation is free for the asking, God, I believe and I receive who you are, receive that you died for me. I receive you as Lord of my life. It's, he did all the work. You receive it by faith. So too is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's saying, God, I realize I'm weak. I realize you've made something available to me as a Christian and I need it. I want it. He told the early church in Acts 1-8, wait in Jerusalem. Y'all are not ready to go minister yet. Y'all not ready to go plant an early church yet. Y'all not ready to go do that. You wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you then. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But he told them, go then, go after. And so many of us have maybe gone and we haven't been empowered. And so I would encourage you, you know, if there's a, a weakness there or you just say, I, I need the Holy Spirit upon my life. That you would pray for it. You'd ask the woman, you may, maybe you may have had the Holy Spirit been baptized before you may just need to sometimes we leak you may need to be refilled and um just god i need you more and it's not wrong to ask every day lord today fill me anew and afresh i need all that i can have of you in my life today and understand this when you ask god to fill you with his holy spirit it's not magic you're not saying god fill me but you get zapped oh I'm, I'm, i lived holy after i prayed that prayer this is how it works god fill me with your spirit that means 
As you just lead me today, I'm going to submit to you, Lord. As you show me what to do, I'm going to do it. When you check me and say, do this, I'm going to just do what you say do. When you convict me not to do it, I'm going to just not do it. And in that sense, we walk in it and we walk in his fullness. We can experience all he has for us every day. It's available to us all. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Leviticus is full of relevant content that can still be applied to us today. Yes, even the Old Testament book that seems to just be full of rules and regulations. It's full of the grace of God. No matter how many times the Israelites seem to misunderstand or misjudge God, He still forgave them. He still gave them chance after chance and gave them what they needed. How many times in your life can you see that God has done the same for you? He gives grace even when we make mistakes. He gives grace even when we don't deserve it. He gives us chance after chance after chance. There is no one else like Him. If you're struggling with your own mistakes and are having a hard time accepting the grace of God, we'd love to connect and pray for you. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that number is 310-245-4811. And if you're ever in the Inglewood area, we want to meet you in person. Our service times are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online too. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website was CalvaryInglewood.org. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus, and you won't want to miss it. Learn more next time right here on A Transforming Word.